Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Phoenix Rods. Today's guest is Robert Wiss. Um, he does bows and arrows. He's a calico guy from down in San Diego that applied a lot of freshwater stuff to uh, the calico game. Made his own swim bait. Uh, he's a stick, man. He, he catches a lot of fish. He kind of put a lot of time just into fishing the glide down, down that way. Great guy. Interesting. Also a big screen painting guy. Gives us some tips on that. Thanks again, Robert, for coming on. Appreciate it. Um, this month is Manscaped month. I need you guys to go to manscaped.com and buy a trimmer for your nut hairs. So please listen to this uh, little piece that uh, I recorded for Manscaped. It's a new sponsor for this month, and I need you guys to go buy one. Support for Cast and Crank is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. With this exclusive offer for you, 20% off free worldwide shipping with the code, listen to this, Cast and crank at manscaped.com. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredibly comfortable grooming experience. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with the sizes 1 through 4. You can keep that nut hair long if you want. If you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. And uh, for guys like me, where I got a 17-year-old kid, I don't want to end up with my son's pubes in my mouth. So yeah, this is a great tool for my household. <laughs> so if you guys want to support the podcast, please get one of these trimmers. And if you're a lady, get one for your man. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code cast and crank at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code cast and crank. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the right job with Manscaped. Remember cast and crank on Manscaped. You don't want nasty nut hair, okay? Um, thank you to everyone that supported the Patreon last month. Appreciate it. This month is the three-year anniversary of Cast and Crank. Can't believe it. Long time. So I decided to do a different giveaway. Ten winners this month. And here are some of the people that are donating. And I appreciate everyone that's donated previously. And here's a little bit from uh, some of the guests that I do talk to a lot. 
There's going to be uh, two toxic baits available. JSJ bait. Fin baits throwing something in. UFO appreciated throwing something in. Irod is going to throw a 794 in. Black Dog's going to throw in a bait. A HUD from Swimbait City, a custom painted HUD. Uh, Depths 250. And those are the prizes. So there'll be, there'll be 10 prizes. Along with Pitbull Tackles going to donate uh, cutters, the best cutters I've ever used. They're amazing. So you, all you guys will get one. And then I'll be doing a separate one for the per- people that have been supporting for the first since the uh, beginning. So the first six months, I'm going to do a little thing for those people that have been supporting that long. So thank you to everyone again. Can you please check out the YouTube for some old episodes that are up? And give us a five-star review on iTunes. Definitely would appreciate that. Um, that's about it. I got uh, going to Arizona. doing uh, Waiting to conf- some people to confirm. But I got some good guests lined up already. Pretty stoked on that. And I hope you guys like this podcast. I'm not sure who's on Thursday. But you'll find out soon. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, here we go. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. Today I have Scott Wintz. Wiss. Wiss, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Um, You'll know him as, is it Bows and Arrows 33? 40. Uh, Bows and Arrows 43. 43. Okay. Let's get into, uh, you grew up in San Diego or grew up? Grew up on the East Coast. Okay. um, Kind of the tri-state area. Uh, So New Jersey, New York, and Philadelphia um, was like my main kind of area. but my dad's got a, a beach house in uh, New Jersey at the shore, so he's a you know big striped bass fisherman. Were you uh, striped fishing? For, were you yeah, too? Really? Yeah, yeah. He's been he's been fishing since '57, and he still fishes. He's 80, no way, 84 dude. this year. Um, What's his big catches? Um, I think his biggest was just shy, you know, 45 pound, 46 from the beach. From the beach. How awesome is that? Yeah, you know, it's a whole different scene there, like where. I, I, you know, surf fishermen, you have just a chance at like a 30 or 40 pound bass. You don't really need a car, you know, you just, you know, cruise, you know, or, or, you know, having like a, uh, a boat surf fishing there is just you incredible. Walk the shore you just walk it, to yeah. shore. That's it. Yeah. Have you, do you kind of get it? Do you, do you, can you read the conditions when you go down there? Yeah. 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 And, um, we have like a, a spring run where they migrate, you know, and then a fall run where they come back down from, you know, up north and stuff when the water changes. So I go back every year and fish with my dad around Thanksgiving and get the fall run. And, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's incredible. And you were, you were in the hardcore as well, right? Yeah. Did yeah. you see Earth Crisis live? I've never seen them live. No. Bouncing Souls and, and all them I've seen live before. Um, Snapcase? Snapcase I've seen. You did? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I wish I would have seen it back then, not the newer. Like, it was when they came out here, it was like the newer around like 2001 maybe 99 like it was the older snap case i liked that yeah you know man that's did you ever see chromags yeah i've seen the chromags yeah. before you know they actually played at my college in philly was um, it original chromags the original chromags oh, nice. and that was the last show they played at my school um i went to u arts in philly and uh after that show they had them you know play there like some fights and stuff broke out and that was the last you know band hardcore, hardcore show they ever had there you know <laughs> so um, but yeah, it was an awesome scene, you know? Yeah. That goes hand in hand with a lot of guys that I think, I mean, it's crazy 
how I guess it's not a small world, but I've been in hardcore way longer than fishing, and it's like dudes will be like, "Oh shit, I remember seeing your band," or "Oh shit," you know, from the West Coast. Yeah, so it's really cool. So, when did you transplant over here? I moved out here in '98. Okay. Yeah. And when you moved out here, were you uh, coming out for school or fishing or? Uh, I came out mainly just for work um, okay. and surfing, you know, um, you know, just to escape the winter, you know, and just can, and then end up getting a good design job and, you know, stuff kind of, a, you know, cascaded from there, you know, and then, you know, more and more people I met that were surfers also fished, you know, so I was on their boats, you know, a ton, <laughs> you know, so. When you came out here, were you like, uh, so this is a cool question for you since you didn't know anything about Calico really when you came out here and you were already what 20 something right yeah so it was like a whole new world when you found out about Calico bass kind of because did you fish green bass back east yeah I fished green bass back east okay. um you know a lot of striper green bass um but yeah the fishery is completely different you know like on the east coast you know no one everyone fishes spinning rods you're fishing from the surf you got to get over the sandbar yeah you're casting 10 foot poles <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's a whole different, you know, like scene, you know, yeah. you're, you're casting giant poppers and, and, and I came out here and I surf fished and it was fun, but I'm, I'm catching, you know, small little croaker and, and, you're sure fishing you know, the surf spot. Then, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out as well, yeah. you know, but, um, I think once, you know, my huge draw was like, there's a huge fishery here and everything was new to me. And like, you know, I, I spent five years and I just just fished the harbor just to learn the spotted bass fishery. Like, really? That was it. So I you've didn't... been doing this for a, for a long time, spotties and, and calicos? Yeah. For, since when, 2000? I got my boat in 2007. Oh, wow. Yep. Never fished an SBS though, huh? Mm-mm. Really? No. Uh-uh. I mean, I would love to do it, but I think every, every year when I go to do it, I, I look at a lot of the spots on the map that are, you know, inbounds. Yeah. And I'm like... Oh man, like <laughs> all my good spots, they're, they're, you know, yeah. they're out of bounds, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I got other spots I could fish, but, um, I don't know. I just, you know, I go down there all the time in mission Bay and when yeah. they have the weigh-ins and stuff and it's cool. And, but I don't know, I fish, I fish by myself so much. That yeah. I don't know. I just never really got into it. When, um, when did you get, so the next thing is when did you get into like throwing the, uh, glides for, uh, swim bait fish? About maybe three years ago, you know, I started really playing with it. Um, and you weren't green bass fishing at all, just calico? Yeah, just calico. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, I, I fish a lot of really big baits on the East Coast, you know, these like metal lips, you know, wooden swimmers and, and you know, darter plugs. And so I'm not like, I'm used to like heavy, big plugs for striped bass. Um, and I just, I just assumed like a calico bass, even though they're really aggressive, I was like, they're not going to take this down. And, yeah. you know, I just didn't really think, think about it. And then, you know, I, you know, looked more and more into it. And then I'm like, you know, Kevin Matson, I'd seen him at one of the Fred Halls and, you know, you know, we were just talking about some things and I think he just got back from a trip and he was fishing some brown trout and, you know, he's getting, you know, <laughs> big glides on these trout. I'm just like, man, I'm going to pick up a few and just, you know, see, see how they work and see what happens. And. You know, what did you start with? I started with, um, you know, a river to sea best waiver. Best waiver. Okay. And then I had Eric from fish Ed. He repainted him. Oh, okay. You know, for Eric's me, he's a great guy, dude. I love it. Oh yeah. He's, yeah, he's great. So cool. Super yeah. cool. And, uh, I just sent him a bunch of baits and, um, I was like, Hey, they don't really come in the color that I want for the bay and the, and the, and the, you know, the kelp. Can you repaint these in these colors? And like, you know, 
He's like, yeah, sure, you know, and got him. You know, I didn't really know what I was doing in the beginning, but, you know, this is, you know, first day out, you know, I got a halibut on one. And I'm, I'm like, this is great. Like a halibut came up and smoked it, you yeah. know, and then started getting bass on it in the bay. Um, and then, you know, I was like, well, what are you getting spotties on these two? I get spotties really? on them too. Yeah. Damn. And then I was like, well, once the water warms up, I was like, this is going to be killer on the, in, you know, the calico. They're yeah. just going to crush it, you know? So and then I just, you know, I just, you know, after the S waiver and I learned and I was like, all right, well, rinse them all with fresh water, took care of them. Cause I was nervous that in salt water, these things were just going to rust out cause they're not made for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. I didn't know what components they had in there. And, um, I'm like, Hey, they're, they're holding up fine. It's, you know, I got them a few seasons, you know, like they're, they're totally fine. You know, so then I, I started getting some of the G-Rat Sneaky Peats, yeah. you know, a little bit bigger and, and um, just started playing around with a bunch of the different glides. And yeah. Do you think size matters a lot? Because like, I mean, I feel like I went with uh, Purcell and uh, we own Benny's boat and I was throwing that 250 and I feel like he's getting bit more on the K9 than I was getting bit on the 250. I don't know if it was the cadence or what it is. You feel like there's a certain like sweet spot with sizes on the bait? I mean, yes and no. I mean, I think I think a lot of it has to do with the action. Okay. You know, so if you if it's got incredible action and you can you can get it close enough to the kelp and it doesn't really matter on the size, you know. Um, I mean, there are certain days that they're keyed in on certain bait fish that are certain sizes and they won't touch anything. Um, but I mean, even with like you know, before I, I was into to glides in the salt water, you know. You're throwing big hammers. Or big hammers, yeah. you know, big weedless, you know, MC, island plastics, yeah. you know, like all that, you know, that was, some of them are bigger than the glides. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? And then they Those don't. big nine inches. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd be surprised. I mean, some of the glides I have, you know, eight, nine inches, I'll get a 12 or 10 inch bass on them. Like, Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. Yeah. They, they're not really, you know, if you get it in the right spot and they're underneath that kelp canopy and they dart out like, I don't think that they care about the size. Really? Yeah. So do you think it's more conditions than it is a size thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like, yeah, that's a, that was a question I had is I, and I talked to some of the guys that throw, will throw glides for Calico and they'll be like, I feel like the big 250, they'll never get bit. It's like the 175, they'll get the bigger fish on or, you know, but yeah, that was, this was, again, this is at San Clemente, not local, which is a completely different fishery, yeah. you know? Yeah. Have you been to San Clemente to fish? I haven't. No. Oh, you gotta go, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are, all that looks killer. It's like yeah. a, it's like Disneyland, dude, for calico bass fishing. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Even Catalina can be super fun, but I mean San Clemente, if, if uh, you can get out there on someone's boat, it's like the the ride back's a little, little bit of a bitch, but yeah. <laughs> again, once you get out there and you're fishing, dude, it's just like you don't want to stop. Yeah. I mean, there's times where we would have, uh, you know, wolf packs like five five pounders just coming up. Yeah, it's Which incredible. Like, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, but you, you're down in uh, San Diego, you have a pretty good fishery. Yeah. Especially yeah. kelp and down there and yeah. stuff. Yeah, we have really strong kelp right now this season. We had like a, a cooler winter, you know, so the kelp didn't die off. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's really thick. There's a lot of really good lanes. Um, and there's a ton of it that you can fish. There's like a bunch of sections. You know, La Jolla is really good. But uh, I, I normally fish Point Loma. It's just close to my house, you know five minutes i get around the point i'm there mm-hmm. um and uh the, the kelp is just really incredible yeah so when did you get the idea to start building your own glide i, I think it was you know last year like during like you know covid you know mm-hmm. i had a little bit of time in my hands you know and you know every every winter i i, I love doing projects you know what i mean so um 
I was fishing a bunch and, um, you know, up at school, there's a lot of woodworkers, you know, and furniture designers. And, you know, we had a new CNC machine for wood and, um, you know, I was like, I want to design one and, and basically, you know, take and transfer my 2d design prints and see if I can make a 3d version, you know, of it, you know, for the summer and, yeah. and see how I could fish. And, um, there's a few things in the, the other baits that were made for fresh water that I thought I could change just a little bit, you know, and it would, you know, be more geared just to calico. Yeah. So what was something that you, you kind of like something that pointed out for calico for you that like on a swim bait that you needed a little more, like was it the harness, was it the eye screws? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it was the weight. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, and I've, 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 I've had a few bait makers where I've gotten some stuff from them. And, you know, you have to, the salt water just is more buoyant. Yeah. There's, there's no way around yeah. it. So, like, they weight everything perfect, but it's weighted for fresh water. So when you drop it in, it's, you know, it should be a low float, but it's kind of a high float. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and there's, you know, days where that will work. But then a lot of it, you know, I'm, I'm having to stick weights on it and, and do other things to modify it. Or I'm trying to, like max out my you know hook size and and the weight and putting like a 3x hook on there that i don't necessarily need or want to but just to weigh it down um so i was like well i'm gonna make mine where it's for salt where it's actually weighed heavier you know and and you know it may sink a little bit faster in the test tank but in the it'll just even out in the in the salt so that's got to be kind of a bitch too to getting that weight perfect back and forth yeah because you're in the test tank what are you gonna i mean yeah. Fresh water. So, you know, oh, maybe. yeah, I mean, I tweaked on it. I mean, I took like, you know, a few of my favorite baits that, you know, do well and just, you know, put them side by side in the bait, you know, and yeah. just kind of dropped them and just watched them sink. And, you know, if mine sank, you know, a second quicker, a second still... quicker. I'm like, I mean, it wasn't perfect science, but I was yeah. like, I was like, you know, it gave me something to gauge. I'm like, well, this one's good, but it's a little bit too high float for me. I'm like in the salt, if I get it a little bit faster mm-hmm. um, and it, it, they just seem to stay under the surface a little bit better and I, I can get underneath the kelp canopy and some of the leaves where on the high float I have some problems yeah know, so um and they're all wood you baked right now they're all wood, wood yeah okay yeah are you planning on doing resin or you don't even know yeah I mean uh, I'm not 100% sure yet you know um you know this first one I mean th- this literally is the first glide I've ever made like th- you know dude that thing came out sick for that first you know what I mean it's like you know so it you know part of it was like you know, a passion project and part of it was more of me wanting to like learn, like I bought a bunch of baits and I understand how they work, but when you make something, you know, and then you fish it and you're like, and then you look at someone else's bait, you start to figure stuff out where you're just like, oh, that's why it moves like that. You know what I mean? So, and it's something that you can't, I mean, you could, you know, figure it out, you know, if you fish it a lot, but once you make it, you start to see some of the subtle nuances that go into a bait. Mm-hmm. And then it, I don't know, it just kind of helps you a little bit, I think, more. So. Yeah, just researching the bait and kind of breaking it down a little, even the swim. Yeah. Like I had my buddy Mark come and we swam some different baits. And he's like, I've, he built his, his episode will be right after or so probably so next week. Um, yeah. And he's like, I never uh, swam another bait, swim bait. I've just been making my own because I had the idea. He's like, I've, I've seen 250 swim and stuff like that's popular, us waiver, but all the custom stuff like the 86s or the UFOs or the, you know, JSJ, whoever might make that joint, but he's like, I've never seen it swim. So I don't know how my bait swims, you know, like compared to what yeah. it's supposed to do when, you know, each bait has a different thing. Like you burn yours, it might do something a little different than another one. Yeah. So that's the kind of trial and error, right? You got to look at. Yeah. Yeah. Especially you know, with, with Calico, you have a different 
burn, then you're going to want in fresh water, right? Yeah. And, and that was one of the things too, that I wanted to be more custom is that I'm fishing really tight to the cover, like almost to the point with treble hooks, it's scary <laughs> to like yeah. be on, you know, the, the kelp that much, but you know, a lot like freshwater. I mean, if you're three feet to the right, you're not getting bit. Yeah. They may come out, but they're not. If you get it in where you're almost snagged and you're in super deep on that kelp, gonna... <laughs> they will come out and they will, you know, so I, I and I, I'm also fishing really narrow lanes. Like there may be, maybe it's 25 feet long, but on the left and right side of those stringers, it's maybe only two feet wide, a yeah. foot wide. So you got to make a, a perfect cast, get it in there, let it sink a half second. And then as you, you know, as soon as it, you know, hits the water in the back of that kelp, I mean, you got to like crank, crank and then get it moving. And sometimes that first one or two cranks, if you're inches, centimeters from the back of that kelp, they will slam it. Yeah. They'll hit it, you know. Do you, so most of the time, do you only fish kelp? You fish boilers a little bit too? Not really. I got a few spots that I'll, um, on the inside that I'll fish some boilers, you know, with, but I mean, for me, I don't mean, everyone's got their own style. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, you know, I, I love this time of year for Calico when the water warms up and they're in the top canopy and they are feeding up that high. It's like, I'm in the kelp, I'm fishing the edges. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, I don't know. It's more visual for me. Yes. You know I mean, like, and that's my draw to it is that, you know, you make a good cast, you do a few cranks, you know, you start seeing them boil behind it. You start seeing the wolf pap come out, you know, <laughs> and then some of them, if you're close enough to the boat, you can actually see them eat it. Yeah. You know that's what I mean? the funnest part. And, and that to me is just like the <laughs> sickest thing just yeah. to watch them come out, track it, and then actually like take it down. Yeah. You know? so, um, did you have to choose a certain wood when you're trying to build the bait? Like, yeah, I mean, I did some, some research. I mean, uh, the one that I hand carved, I just used a traditional basswood. Um, you know, there's different types of woods that bait makers will use, but you know, basswood's a, a pretty traditional one. It's got a tight grain. It's easy to carve. Mm -hmm. It's kind of forgiving. So, um, that's the handmade ones, you know, I'm, I'm making out of the basswood. Um, right now I'm, I'm experimenting a little bit more. I mean, I, I grew up skating my whole life, you know, and I've, um, you know, pressed a bunch of, you know, laminates to make skate decks. And I was, you know, had this idea one day, I'm like, oh man. We got this CNC machine, like this laser cutter. I'm like, wouldn't it be cool to like take some maple, you know, veneer and laminate and, you know, take some of my 2D drawings, laser cut them out, glue them up, weight them and just see how they swim. And, and that's what I'm kind of a... Is that the one right there? Yeah, that's this one here. I'm, I'm kind of experimenting with right now with, you know, um, you know, profile and glide and just, you know, different tails and experimenting with that and... Uh, a little bit of a mix between like technology and and you know the, the craft of it so yeah no that one's really cool how does that one the profile swim compared to the other one like what do you get different on the action i think with the the handmade it, it's almost four and a half ounces it just you know it's thicker it's more robust um it's just got a longer sweeping glide okay. you know what i mean um whereas the thinner profile one it's a little bit more erratic get a little tighter yeah a little okay. bit tighter and just the the way that it catches the water because it is flat you know um that it you know it'll catch a groove and it's almost like you're catching your edge when you're snowboarding yeah you know what i mean okay. it like it, it catches that edge in the water underneath and it darts one way and then it goes the other um so yeah which is a great bait as well what, yeah what it's a totally want, different yeah. yeah it's a totally different you know um you know glide and action so what's the uh the big test you put these baits up against a heavy bait like a 
biggest fish, I guess, calico. Well, I mean, this one, the the first one that I've hand shaped here, uh, this guy, um, ironically, I ended up getting my personal best for this season, you oh, know, man. on it, you know, um, I was just out testing it, had a few followers. Um, and then, you know, next day I went out, I caught a small one. I was like, oh, it's, it's working, you know, and then with this bait, it, it, the way it swims, it does some specific things where it likes a longer cast and then it really likes through the reel handle, just a slow cadence. And then it, it just starts to, to hunt and dive. And I found an area just outside edge of the kelp, you know, I'm like, this is a perfect spot for this bait. And, uh, it got smoked. Yeah. And, and, and that was, you know, this is a little bit bigger than some of the other glides that I've thrown and it, and you know, I was stoked. It was just like, ended up for this season being my biggest fish. How so big was that? 18 inches, you know, weight wise. Uh, I didn't end up weighing it. So I'm not gonna, I'm not sure, you know, 18, four, maybe, maybe four pound, you know That's what I mean? Nice, yeah. yeah. It's a nice bass. You don't, so you're not doing any freshwater swim bait fishing really? No. You yeah. feel like you're just applying a lot of what you researched from the fresh? And, yeah. And how much do you think both of this, that they, they play to each other, like moon phases and, and um, you know, some of the water, you know, what you're looking for, conditions, compared from salt to fresh. You know, have you done enough research or talked to even guys and been like, you think this theory works the same as, you know, as in fresh water? Or are Calico just like, we don't give a shit, we're going to eat whatever's in our face? No, I mean, I, I think of it, I mean, there's definitely like times of the day where, you know, there'll be, it'll be dead. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, the tide will change, some water will flood into the kelp and I'll get a flurry of a half hour and then it'll shut down. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I think there are similarities, you know, to that. Um, there's still going to be bass and or calico in the, in the kelp that are reaction based that, you know, no matter what the tide or time of day, if you get it in close enough and they'll dart out at it. But, mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, the moon phase for freshwater guys, I mean, the moon is, it's the same thing for tides. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, and like, you know, moon affects the tide. It's, you know, they're just. They're usually a fuck on a full moon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so. Right. Uh, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, we were talking, I've talked to some other guys about it too. Like, and then the other uh, debate I've had with guys is, um, where do you place a calico, like a trophy calico against a largemouth bass? So I, de- I debated, it's like, okay, someone caught a 20 pound bass. It took him. I don't know how long, thousand, ten, you know, a thousand right. hours, whatever. How long does it take a guy to catch a, a ten pound? Is almost like that, because you know, not many people catch ten pounds. But then, a buddy's like, "Well, you got to think. A lot of people have caught ten pounds. I, you know, I probably know of five people who have caught ten pounds. How many people you know have caught twenty pound bass? Yeah. So I think a ten pound would almost correlate to like a fourteen or fifteen in freshwater. I think so. Yeah. 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 Because it's like, are we ever going to see that fourteen or again? Or yeah. 13? I don't know. You, you know? know, it's, you know, that, I mean, I think with Calico too, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, anyone that fishes, I mean, I mean, to get you know, <laughs> six and a half years, I mean, they're super slow to grow. I mean, their life cycle is like, you know, they, they live longer, but it takes them a really long time to get 14 inches. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, I mean, that's a whole other thing too, is just like, you know, their life cycle is more drawn out and, you know, it's not like. But it's crazy to me that Calico fishing still, I think is pretty available where you can go out and catch them mm-hmm. and you also have boats catching limits and keeping them right that's the wild thing it's like man it's that i know there should be conservation but at the same time i think it's it's pretty they're pretty self-reliant on, on themselves 
Yeah. The where they're they're gonna come back, you know? Yeah. Unless and then by no means I don't I would never keep anything that big. I've kept caliconium, I mean for sure. Yeah. But I've never kept anything like over like three pounds, you know? Yeah. Because it's like that's a big fish to me. Yeah. Yeah, as long as you have like I mean, I think most fishermen, you know, for the most part, you catch a keeper halibut or yellowtail. I mean, that's different table yeah. fare, but anyone that's bass fishing, I think, you know, they have a respect for the fish and, and, you know, they understand like, you know, once they get into it and, and it, once you're starting fishing artificials, like you're in it more for the sport and, and the challenge, you know, yeah, than exactly. just, you know, That's why. so I, I think most people kind of get it, you know, you're like, you know, all right, it gets to this size, you know, I think I can count, count on my hand the times I bring home a calico. Yeah. Like I've never really, maybe my kid will catch one and be like, I want to eat it. Fine. We'll eat it. Yeah. You know, but other than that, it's like, I've released hundreds and, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, maybe, you know, you foul hook one, yeah. you know what I mean? Or like, you know, you know, by accident, you're fishing on a, you know, a big bait and the, the trouble gets it in the gill plate. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, that's a different scenario. Have you, you know? tried to uh, fish Coronados from your boat? I've done it once. And really? I'll never do it again. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it's. You know, it's an aluminum boat, you know, I got a little 40 on it, which is not a bad, you know, I went out in the summer one time in a nice morning, no problem getting out there. Like everything was cool. And then, you know, solo, solo, you're crazy, dude. Winds picked up <laughs> and I, I just got crushed coming back in white knuckled all the way back. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't sketchy. It wasn't like, I wasn't like freaked out. Like, Oh, like you're I'm, just getting slammed the whole time. I'm not in danger. Yeah. You know what I mean? I took my time or whatever, but it was, you know, the aluminum boats versus a fiberglass, it's like the boat just doesn't have the weight, especially when I'm in there by myself. Like it's super light. You know what I mean? I, you know, I'll put some gear up front, but I got a side console. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it's like nonstop, just slammed. If you, know. you put a center on that thing with a leaning post, yeah, it's a game changer. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. To mine. Only reason I say is I had my friends come and we get beat up with side console. Yeah. When I ripped everything out and put the, the I put the, Center console and scoot it forward a little bit. We were cutting through like, yeah, like keeping up with the Ranger when it was bad, you know, like yeah. And I have a sixty, so it's a little right. bigger than yours. You right. know what I'm saying? And I, have a I mean, 60. the boat flies. Yeah. It's super fast. You know what I mean? It just, it it just can't handle that. Did you repower that boat? No, I haven't. It came with that. Okay. Well, I had a choice of either getting a twenty-five or forty, and I I just maxed it out. I mean, but for that you size. bought that boat brand new. Brand new. What kind of boat is it? It's a Crestliner. Okay. Um. Yeah. Where'd you get it from? Uh, God, man, the marina is like not even there anymore. It was in East County, San Diego. Um, How old is that boat? 2007. Okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's great. That's the that yeah. motor looks great. Yeah. I've been, you know, I, um, you know, I got OCD, man. Like I, I, I like, you know, <laughs> if you went in my garage and you saw like how I stack like gear and stuff, you'd just be like, what is wrong with this guy? You know what I mean? But I need you to come help me with my fucking garage. <laughs> fucking yeah. Up, yeah. Dude. I mean, I, I mean for the salt and I mean, I, you know, I enjoy it. So I got time. So I come back, you know, I wash it down, you know, salt X in the engine, you know, I'll, I'll shammy it. You know, I'm not like buffing it out or anything, but I get everything off of it and it, and, and you know, it makes a difference. You know what I mean? So I feel like I, I tried to do that and I still got that pitting in the transom. You know, like uh, I'm, yeah. I, I still got that. I yeah. feel like there's no way around that. Yeah. The front of the boat. Great. Well, not great on mine because my boat holes cracked, but right. Not my butthole. My yeah. Butt hole. <laughs> <laughs> That's why my wife was like, what do you mean? Your buttholes crack? I'm like, no, my boat hole <laughs> is cracked, <laughs> you know? And, and, but I mean, I would. I felt like I. You try a lot to keep it up, and it's like, I don't know what to do. I just. I think it's just aluminum, but it's a give and take. I mean, you don't really got to rebuild the transom because it's still going to be fine, even if that wood's wet. Right. It's too layered, you know. Aluminum. Yeah. 
So it's a, I just said, fuck it. I bought the whaler. Yeah. That's <laughs> way smarter. I mean, my next, if I ever get a new boat, you know, I, I definitely would get a fiberglass, you know, not necessarily hundred percent because like the pitting and stuff, but just the clean. you could keep it really clean. How about that? Keep it clean. And then the weight and just how it cuts through the waters is, is just different. That Are I, you, uh, how many hours do you have on your motor? Uh, God, I don't even know. I don't, you know, I, you know, these marinas every year kind of close on me. So like I, I stopped, I do most of the work myself oh, now. Yeah. Not all of it. Like, you know, sometimes I'll take it in for something and I'll be like, just go ahead, do the lower unit, do the oil. Yeah. Cause it's in there and I had the money, but a lot of it I do myself. So I, I don't, I don't have a, you know, tachometer or anything to put on it to look at the oh, hours. Really? Yeah. So I put it on mine when I, I bought my 2015. Okay. Yeah. So it's not that old, but I mean, I have 492. Yeah. Which isn't bad. That's why I'm like, I still got another thousand, you know, hours at least. Yeah. Then I'll just repower and put a 90 on the whaler. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you could probably put like, get like a cool little 13 or, or a, or a 15 whaler would be cool. Yeah. Have you rode, have you, have you rode in some different yeah. boats you might want to try Oh out? yeah. Yeah. I got a, a bunch of friends that have boats and whalers, I mean, on the East coast, a lot of people have them fish the bay and, you know, fish those. So, um, I, I don't know. The East coast, there's not really like a calico type fishery, is there? Not, not really. Like even a fish like that, that you can fish like where it's kind of like right off the shore. They fight hard. I mean, I think striped bass for the king there. The only thing there I, yeah. If you're surf fishing, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, From a boat, they're going after something completely different. Right? No, the boat guys go after them too. Really? Yeah, but the surf guys do better. I think. Really? Yes. You think they're closer to the surf than than they are out in the? Yeah. So um, usually the dudes are in the boats, casting towards the surf, trying to bring right. And yeah, I mean, when it, when just like calico. I mean, we get we get blitzes on the East Coast where you know uh, we got a bait fish called Bunker or Manhaden, and when they come in in the school, what of, are they? They're called Manhaden, um, or the nickname they call them. They call them Bunker. It's like a giant shad. They're like fourteen or sixteen inches. They're huge. They fight. Um, well, it's just a bait fish. Oh, then the fish, the stripers go off. Yeah, so they'll they'll corner them on a sandbar, or they'll get them against a jetty, and you'll get a blitz like where the water starts boiling and they're just, it's like a bluefin, like what you boil. see right now boil, but on the beach. And you're, if you're there in a surf rod and you know, it's, it's incredible, you know what I mean? So, and you know, then these boats come in and they're like, you know, almost in the surf <laughs> and they're casting into you. You know, I got friends of mine that get pissed cause they're, you know, it's like, you're in a boat, man. Like leave us alone on the surf. You know, they'll cast, you know, two ounce anchor weights into their hull and gel coat, like to get them out oh. of there. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no joke, huh? Yeah, it's it's yeah, I know. But no, that's that's super cool. I've always wondered like what they're. Well, you have like I guess Flor- you ever fish Florida? Um, I haven't fished Florida much. No, now. yeah, that's one place I want. I want to fish. Oh, I yeah. want to go with Keith too. I want to go on his guided trip. It looks fucking funny. Yeah, shit. that looks killer. Yeah. yeah, there's just I mean it's just everywhere like you know you got you know one side ocean bay and then in between all that it's just you look at a map it's just all water yeah you know right? like and the, the fresh water there just looks incredible and you know the strand of bass they have there just gets big and it looks awesome yeah you know um what type of gear are you using to throw your baits um you know i i started out i mean a lot of it you know uh, similar to you like i have like the phoenix m1 you know um I'll, you know i'll throw that or their mm-hmm. um their swim bait rod you know eight foot heavy um, the last few years I switched over most of my stuff. I, I fish ritual angling stuff. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I really love their swim bait rod. They have a seven eleven heavy, um, you know, and then 
you know, almost all of it. You know, a few years ago, Justin Reynolds from Radio Silence, mm -hmm. um, him and Skylar invited me, and I went out in their boat and fished. And this is when they were prototyping the rods. Oh, wow. And he gave me a few of them, and I tried them for bay bass, uh, Corvina, uh, Calico, and, you know, I don't know. I love the rod and, and, and um, I, anything I could do to support. Yeah. You know, like, I'm like, oh, I'm friends with these guys. They make a great, you know, rod. I'm like... You know, I'm gonna give my money. Yeah, why not? You know, I'm gonna give my money. You know, and um, and and you know, it's a great rod too. So I, I'm I'm really stoked on it, and those guys are really cool. So yeah, that's cool. So, um, real line, what do you like to use? Um, mainly I'm Daiwa guy. Me too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, for spotties, you know, like you, I mean, I, I love the Tatula 150 or the 200. Um, you know, a few of my, I do a lot of kayak fishing too in the bay. Oh, you do? So some of my, my, my rods for the kayak, cause they get beat up a little bit more, you know, I'll, I'll put like a Fuego on there. That's cheaper. Yeah. You know, that like, it's still a decent rod if I'm, you know, fishing for, for bass and stuff. Um, and then, you know, when I get out into the, you know, the Calico, oh, I'll up and I'll do like the Lexa 300. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Have you and tried the Tatula yet? I, I saw it. Yeah. It looks amazing. I with gotta the, show you some stuff in my garage that. I yeah. got the Lexa, uh, the new Lexa 300 T-Wing 2. Yeah. I have, I'll let you see that. Yeah. Project. Yeah, it looks great. <laughs> and it's, I just bought last season two new Lexa 300 wins. And, I'm, yeah. and then that thing came out and I'm like, oh, man. I was like, I was like, oh, <laughs> you know what? I did I, that's the what same, I want. <laughs> I did the same exact thing. I bought, I bought a Lexa 400. Then I ended up getting a 300. And then I'm like, oh, I have a brand new 400. I'm like, I'm just going to. I'll do something with it. I don't know. Yeah. Cause you get so many reels. Like my, I don't have enough rods sometimes. I'm like, fuck, I don't know where to put what, and, you know, I get flustered yeah. and I'm like, yeah. shit. But yeah, I love all the Lexa shit as well. I yeah. mean, uh, I'll have the Tranks 500 for the surface iron. Mm, okay. But I don't throw it that much. As yeah. I, I have two Shimano's, um, also for my kayak. I had a, a, a friend of mine, Afrin from Warbaits. Yeah, he custom wrapped this uh, beautiful swim bait rod. Nice. And uh, I was at one of the events down at Dana Landing by Fast Lanes, and he was like, "Ah, oh, you should come by." And he and he and he gifted me it, and I was like stoked on it. Nice. Um, but since I didn't have a reel for it, and I had an old Shimano Cardiff uh, 300, and I'm like, "Wow, well, just I'll throw it on it's there." It's a nice reel. It's a nice reel. Yeah. You know, it's cheap. It's great for for the salt and and for the kayak. You know, once again, you know, lower price point. <laughs> I don't have to worry about it. Um, and then I I just upgraded it to these 120 millimeter Gomexis um, power handles. What do you think of those? I love them. So I want to get some of those those handles too. Yeah. Hey guys, if you get a chance, get in your local tackle shop and check out the Phoenix M1 rods. They did a couple new things to the newer series. It's uh, constructed with unidirectional carbon fiber and featuring the cutting edge innovation of nanotube technology. Um, featuring Phoenix's own custom designed reel seat, durable EVA handles, and premium SIC guides. So when you're at your local tackle shop checking out some gear, check out the Phoenix M1s and give them a follow. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice though, they really mean flavor. Like in your face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either, but it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice, anything but subtle. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. 
McKissick helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Who has them? Someone had them and I was looking at them because they, I think they're sponsored by them or something. And I, I really liked them. I just yeah. didn't know anyone who had them, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I talked to one guy in San Diego. He'd bought some prints and I was, you know, following him and I saw all of them and I talked to him about it. And he's like, yeah, East County bait and tackle has them. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, and then, you know, um, I got a few of them from there and then. Um, it's a little dry for me. So then I, you know, I got a few on eBay, but it's right through Gomexis, their eBay okay. account. So it's not like a third party, anything. It's like, yeah. and you know, they're 50 bucks. Um, and they're a hundred. That's cheap. It's cheap. You know, the thing, I mean, I don't really care about the price. I mean, I do, but I don't, but I think I do. Cause I'm not that rich. Right. <laughs> but the other thing too, for me, it's, it's buy it's, it once. Don't buy it again. And, well, the availability too. Yeah. True. You know what I mean? So it's like, I got it and I'm like, wow, I love this on my Shimano, like this, it, I don't know, just with the glide and just the way I'm like, I understand with the DRT, I'm like, what, why these guys have these, like, it's, it's awesome. But then I'm like, I want to put them on three of my rods now. Like I'm obsessed with it. So, you know I mean? it's like, I get two of them for a hundred, you know, and that's I, not bad. It's dude, not bad. Really, yeah. 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 So I, you know, it's a cheaper reel, but then I just upgrade the, the, to the power handle with that Gomexis and I, I just love it. Feels yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so let's talk about your printing a little bit because that's another thing I, I noticed that you did is you'll screen print at home, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, your stuff comes out super clean. <laughs> you know, I'll say that like only because I've been around screen printing for a long time and for what you're doing, it's it looks great, man. Yeah, I appreciate um, that. You've done that for a minute then? You did shirt stuff Yeah, I previously. mean, I, I, you know, I've been printing, you know, since college. I mean, and I went to school and, you know. 94 to 98 i mean that you know i've been printing since then you know so i'm yeah. sorry it's a work call yeah <laughs> do you do that corvina fishing too oh yeah let's talk a little bit we oh i cut you let's go back to prints i sorry i got a call all right from sorry me. so you do printing you've been doing for 20 years yeah um how'd you get into that and kind of how'd that lead you into what you do now yeah i mean you know when i was going to school for graphic design you know i had just took a bunch of electives and you know printmaking was one of them uh i did a bunch of different block printing and then screen printing and then you know once i moved out here and got out of school you know i mean um, i'm always looking for like you know like side you know projects to work on um you know bought a small press you know set some stuff up in my my, my garage and, and stuff and then you know ended up um at school where I teach, you know, at San Diego State, I ended up, you know, creating a class, you know, and building a whole like studio up there. And, and I know I just, just kept printing, you know, like over the years and just, you know, learning it, as well, I'm learning, sure you know, there's, so there's a lot to go into it, you know, that, um, you know, like any, any craft that you kind of do, it's, you know, if it's woodworking or, you know, if it's printmaking or if you're doing illustration or you're, you know, your airbrush and baits, I mean, there's a lot of, <laughs> to get something good, you know, you, you know, like things that you don't think about, you know, like, oh, it's too hot today. It's going to dry. You know, I, I, I got to print, you know, this or, you know, I think one thing of why I get some cleaner prints is because I'm the designer, you know, so I'm making the art and then for I'm, the print for the print. So I help myself. So I'm like, I know that if I go below this one point line and it's too thin and it's hairline, I'm not going to be able to expose yeah. it and I'm not going to be able to print it, you know? So I'm just, you know, 
basically my artwork is made to screen print. You know what I mean? And so and this is the question to you is that that's the issue that a lot of artists have came on and said, we can never find a printer to do what we want. Like Matt Koch, Charles, Bill Novice, mm -hmm. because their artwork never translates the correct way. Right. Is that just because there's too many thin lines and just that? Can someone actually do that? You, it's just going to cost a lot of money to get a shirt printed that's like... I don't, I don't think it would cost more money. You, you know, you'd have to, to put it on a higher mesh screen. You know, so like if you're doing something like, you know, a bold lettering like your Demiki shirt and it's just, yeah. you know, you could put it on a lower mesh screen like a 160. Or so like the actual mesh, the screen is more open, so more ink goes through, but it's thick block lettering it doesn't matter yeah. but then almost like resolution like in a camera the higher you go in the mesh the tighter the weave so it'll hold a tighter you know line weight so if i was doing something that had fine lines i would put it in like a 300 mesh or a 250. because i feel like that's the only uh, gripe all these artists have is like we'll get a shirt printed like i asked matt i'm like what's your uh the most satisfied you've been he's like 70 percent yeah i'm like wow that's bad yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'd, I'd want to be at least 90. Right. You know? Yeah. And I, I think the other hard thing too, you know, for these screen printers is, is that, you know, once you get into higher volume, you know, it's a whole different ball game too. So if you do lower volume, you know, you do 25 or 50 prints, but 50th print, no matter how clean you're doing your pass, or even if you have an automatic press, you're going to start to get some ink on the back of the screen and then it transfers to the shirt and then it starts blurring the image and you lose your line. So, you know, you'd have to, it takes a minute, but then you'd have to clean the back of the screen, do Which a test print. probably more expensive and they probably don't want to pay. Right. Instead of paying six bucks a shirt, it's going to be like, it's going to be 12 because I got to stop. Yeah. Right. right. You know, and then you, you get into like, you know, dark shirts, like a black shirt. It's twice as hard to print. On black? On black. Why so? Because the actual ink, the fibers of the actual uh, T-shirt, the garment, it bleeds into the actual ink. And, and so what you have to do is if you're doing a black shirt or a dark navy or whatever, you have to print a bottom layer, mm -hmm. flash it with heat for 30 seconds. Like a base. Like a right? base. Okay. Like you're painting a house. Yes. You know, and yeah, someone, like a primer. Right. Okay. So you basically put that primer down, let it dry for a second you know, with the heat, the flash, and then you got to put another layer on it. So then that second layer, you know, that you put on there, it'll make it 100% opaque and bright and vibrant. But if your registration's off a little bit, it, <laughs> you know, um, and, and, you know, the more times that you layer like a one point stroke or some thin stroke on top of another one, mm -hmm. you just have more chance of it bleeding out or whatever, you know. Um, so it, it can be done, but there's, you know, definitely some things in there that are harder, you know, darker garments are harder to do, you know. Not everybody wants a white shirt, but, you know, white shirts are easy to print. They look the best. Yeah. Yeah. Light, um, light colors. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite? What's the best recommendation for a shirt? I know people have sizes. Let's talk about printing a quality image on a shirt. The best quality sh blank you would like to use that gives you the best quality image. How about that? I, I think, you know, next level apparel, you know, it's. I know some people don't like the cut of it because it's a little bit tighter fitting, but you can get different types of it. But, uh, but the, I mean, I mean the printing, so not not the fitting. Right. I get people don't like how a shirt fits, but I'm saying printing like where you get right the cleanest image that's going to stick on there. I like next level. Next level. I think that the you know, yeah, it's almost like a sheet count you get in your bed, and you know you get certain sheet counts. You know they they just feel better. 
it has a higher thread count in the weave, so it's tighter and it's flatter, and it doesn't have as much texture to it, so the ink lays flatter. I mean, yeah. Hands down. I mean, next level for me. I love the, the I don't know the blanks, but I love the uh, toxic shirts mm-hmm. and the blanked. Yeah. And I love the SU shirts. Those are yeah. like the ones that I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, these feel good and they, they look good. They hold yeah. up. Yeah. Know? I mean, there's a lot of blanks out there. That's just one, you know, for me. Also, it's, it's readily available. I can get it wholesale and I'm just comfortable with it right now. Like, it's hard because, like, that blank during COVID, I couldn't get it in certain sizes and colors. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, you know, and then I just tried a bunch of other blanks and I, you know, like I went through like five or six shirts where they just didn't print right. Didn't print the same, yeah. you know? So I don't know. I mean, there's other blanks out there, but I mean, for me personally, that's just one that I use. And I, I know the way that it's, you know, manufactured that it, the ink will lay really smooth and I could do really detailed stuff on it and, and not stress about it. Do you have a, a ink you prefer to just, and I'm only asking all this. So like fucking 50% of the people that listen to this probably print shirts or whoever, you know, has a shirt company. Yeah. It's like, this is information that someone might get useful and be like, Oh, well, let's try this ink. If they go to a printer, can we try this ink instead? Or what's something that you would suggest? Like, yeah, Hey, this is what I use. I really like it. It sticks. Well, I can see on your shirts, the lines cut perfect. Yeah. It looks like very clear, you know, like what's, What's a good one? Yeah, I, I, I like Nasdar's, like the brand, um, and uh, their Plastisol ink is, is is really good, you know, and they, you know, they make, you know, high opacity, you know, um, inks that are great for dark shirts. And yeah. so Nasdar is one that I, I like and recommend. That's just me personally that I've gone through a bunch of them and, and just... It seems like it works really well for me. That's yeah. what you use on all your shirts. Yeah, but I, I, I thin it out. So I, I put a, um, like straight out of the, like if you're doing t-shirts, you know, you're using a, a solvent-based ink called Plastisol. Um, and Same shit we're painting, uh, uh, pouring baits with. Kind of. Kind of. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it, it, when you get it straight out of the container, it's like tar. It's super yeah, thick. I've it, seen it, yeah. It's really thick. And, and you can... You know, you can you can print like that, but if you got fine lines and, and higher mesh, it, it just won't go through the screen. So I I use a um, a low bleed plastisol thinner. It's clear, you can't see it, doesn't do anything. Do you think a lot of printers use that or not really? Probably not. I don't know. You know really? what I mean? Like um I, I they probably do. You know, what I mean I haven't you know, I've been to a few print shops and I've I've worked at a few print shops, you know. Um and some of the screen printing shops, you know, when I think back, I don't think we use too much of the the thinner you know in it but for me it really helps that's the thing i i'm like your shirts yeah like i could see the every detail right now on your shirt on that small bit shirt yeah. yeah so I, I i thin all my ink out you know what i mean even if it's in a black shirt like and it won't be as opaque um you know i'd rather do three hits of of the ink you know passes with the squeegee yeah. than like one hit where it's super thick and it's it's not flowing through right so it's um yeah i you know i have a ratio i, I kind of do it more, more by eye and then like when i mix the ink and i lift it up with the, the mixing stick i could see the viscosity of how it runs off the actual paint stick and i'm like this is gonna be good you know see this is where it would be cool to do like limited runs with like dudes that print like you yeah you know what i'm saying yeah like that that would be cool like where i'd be like you pay for that limited run bait or that special whatever do like these shirts that are like you're taking your time to really do what, like, it's almost like, okay, you got a, a printer that's like, here's whatever to see. 
Right. Are you going to go to like an 86 Bates or you'd be the 86 Bates of shirt printing kind of like. Yeah. Are the working class era where the shirt might be more expensive, say 40 bucks, but the the clarity and the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that'd be really cool. Yeah. And I think what it is too is like my niche, you know, for me printing at home in the garage, you know, and everything what I'm doing, you know, you know. I do low volume. Like everyone that, that I've done prints for, I'm like, I don't, I won't do over 72 shirts. I won't do a case. Uh, my sweet spot is, you know, 25 to 50. So like, how many do you bang out in a night? Like in, you know, I, I, you know, for me, you know, I'm, you know, when I, when I sell some of my stuff, I'll, I'll, I'll do about 25, Okay. 25 to 30, you know, like, you know, five of this size, five of that, you know, and I got the screen, I got everything set up. I don't break anything down. You know what I mean? So then, if that shirt does well and it sells, you know, I got it up on press, I'll, I'll print a few more, but I don't want a ton of back stock. Do you know <laughs> right, what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I that's you the know, hard part for me is, is a podcast, not a, not a shirt company where I'll do a run of shirts and I'll be like, fuck. Okay. I sold it. I paid for them. Right. I'm stoked. I got a little extra. I could get another set of shirts, but it's like, right. I still have like these random sizes or, you know, Larges, I have a shitload of them. So if you guys need a large shirt, go to right. Cast and Crank Podcast yeah. com. Order a large new Cast and Crank shirt. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, and for you, it's kind of like as a shirt company, it's like I just had lateral vision on, so they want to have this right. shitload of stock because they'll do something with it. I don't right. know. And skews and all this shit, I kind of learned that a little, you know. Yeah. So I mean, if, if you got a bunch of accounts and you're like, all right, this this bait and taco wants this, this and this, and you're and you're sending it all out. Yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta print a higher volume, but. I don't know. I mean, for me, my niche is, is really is like, you know, if someone like you came to me and was like, like you can't go to a normal print shop, they have minimums. Yeah, they, exactly. They're like, exactly. we won't do below 72 because it's not. So will you do them for people? Like say if someone uh, was like a, a shirt company is like, hey, we want to do, I don't know, 50 shirts just for like a, a custom. Sure. Like, say I was going to be like, hey, I just want to do Patreon shirts. Right. It's going to be like a raffle. And it's going to be a special shirt that's, no one has. Yeah, that's my sweet spot. You do stuff like that. Then. Yeah. So like okay, if someone cool. comes to me and is like, Hey, I have an idea. I don't know if it's going to sell or I'm doing like a nonprofit thing. You know what I mean? Like I don't want 72 of these. I, yeah. I just want like 25, you know, like do these prints, you know, and you know, can you hold on to the screen and maybe I'll do a few more. I mean, and that's, that's where I'm kind of a good where like anyone else that's a, you know, has a brick and mortar shop and they're paying rent and everything else. Like, you know, it, it doesn't make sense for them to do below that, to make a screen, spend the time, set everything up, put ink in and to print 20 shirts. It's, it's not worth it. How did you company know? print? And it was not my friend's company. Another company print two sets of shirts wrong. Wow. That was a fucking 190 shirts two times wrong. That's crazy. I couldn't believe it. I got the second one and I'm like, cool. It was double. It looked like it was double printed. Like it moved a little and then printed again. Yeah. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? dude?" Yeah. <laughs> Which is, and they're huge. This company, I got hooked up with them through the music business. Yeah. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, you guys print these people shirts? Yeah. Like you print like big people, like even fishing companies. I'm like, you fuck my shirts up. How is that possible? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, a high volume <laughs> thing, it, it's tough. I mean, you're, you know, if, if you got 300 you or... have a machine, it's like you don't need someone that really knows what they're doing. Right. Make sure this doesn't stop. Add ink, whatever, you right. know? Right. I mean, if they got an automatic press, I mean, they should still have... I mean, when I worked at print shops, you know, the ink that we use, that Plastisol... It will not dry unless it reaches 300 degrees. Yeah. It'll stay wet its whole life. So that you got to- That hot-ass fucking thing. That dryer, yeah, yeah. So there would be a guy that was, you know, 
he, you know, I, I had done it on a bunch of times at these shops where I was behind the dryer and four or five shirts would come through and I would stack them. That's what they do. My son does that. Shit. You know, and, and, but that was, I was also quality control. So if I saw a shirt came through and there was a double image, you know, a, a printer or someone, you know, they're, they're jamming away. They may not notice it. You know, I would walk out to the printer and be like, you hey, know, here's one. I'm like, Hey, like just watch this side. Like it's something's happening to the screen and then they would fix it. I mean, that's what they should do. Yeah. You know, so they shouldn't print like a whole case and then all of a sudden look at it after. So, yeah, they, they do the same thing. So my son will do like all kinds of jobs. He does like cleans the, the, uh, Squeegee things. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll do that. Yeah. Screens will come home looking like a fucking rainbow. Yeah. Because all this shit. I'm like, Andrew, tell me how no one in the whole fucking shop gets any ink on them, but you come home and ruin every fucking piece of clothing you have. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just my son. He's just a messy asshole. Yeah. You know, but we'll do it all. And then he, I've, I've helped Bo, like my buddy Bo, take the shirts off, stack them, you know, because yeah. they put them through that press. I've gone there to fix machines that blown fuses and yeah. I used to be electrician. So yeah. All that's kind of very familiar to me because I've seen him make the screens, do everything. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I, I mean, for me, like, it's like, you know, if you do low volume and I have complete quality control and I can take my time and I can just watch what's going on, like, you know, I may not be pumping out as many shirts, but the ones that come out, you know, as far as the craft goes, I mean, they. Yeah, the craft. That's the big I, thing I, I feel like you're better. into with even with the baits or, you know, everything is the craft. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, to me, I mean, it's really it, it kind of draws me. You know, so a lot of it is just this high, whole idea of you come up with an idea, come up with a concept, and then you can actually like produce it and like, you know, spend time and yeah. Yeah. So, and then you do the prints as well. Um, you did the one, the uh, working class zero looking one. What was that? The two uh, battle shads? Yeah. The two uh, battle shads. Um, yeah. Yeah. Me and Mike, you know, we, we've been working, you know, last few months on some collaborations and. Uh, so those are just test prints, you know, currently right now those that we're super sick. man. Yeah. So, um, I mailed him some test prints and, you know, um, you know, framed one of them, my, my, uh, fiance, she's got a frame shop. So I kind of sent him one of those as a gift and, um, it kind of leaked out a little bit, but it's cool. <laughs> you know I mean? Like it's got a pretty good response to it and stuff. And there's, there's not too many people that are doing like, they do t-shirts, but there's not too many fine art, like flat prints, you know, doing serographs like that. Like no, that I, I've seen out there. That's a good idea. Like even like. I have, I want to make, I'm making fish, um, like those metal ones that the trophy metals in, but yeah. smaller, they're, they're either probably about like a nine, 10 inches. Yeah. And I'm going to start making plaques and then mailing them out to the guests and be like, Hey, here's your episode. Here we go. Yeah. It's it'll killer. say, it'll say, uh, you know, episode, your episode, whatever it's going to be 191, your name. Yeah. Episode 191 cast and crank podcast. And you'll have a little, like a, a walnut or like some wood like that, you know, from a, Thank you, Bonhoeff Lumber, for giving me the walnut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, That'd something be killer. to give to people just to, and I'd like to do prints and be like, hey, here's some custom prints. Or what would be cool maybe is like if I have an 86 Patreon, I yeah. do a collab cast and crank 86 print for each one yeah. framed and be like, here you go, here's a picture. You know, I mean, that's a great, it's something different. How about that? Yeah, you know, you and, know? and a lot of these, you know, these people that are like, you know, into collecting swim baits and stuff, you know what I mean? And, you know, they're made to fish and you want to fish them, yeah, of course. you know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, there's some of them that, you know, like, you know, maybe you buy two of them and, or, or maybe you catch like your personal best on a bait, you know, you want to just hang on to that or retire it, you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, or maybe you don't, and maybe some of these, like some of your favorite baits, you know, you have something you could like frame and, and kind of look at, but then you could still fish the actual swim bait. You exactly. know what I mean? I think that would be, that would be killer. And, uh, um, oh, it's a good idea. Like it's a good, 
something different. Like I would say, like my old co-host was a. Uh, you follow Ninja nineteen eighty? Yeah, he was a old co-host. Oh, cool. Here, so he does prints too, but he yeah. does his artwork, his tattoo artwork. Mm-hmm. Does like tunas and like all kinds of stuff. But he did the same thing. He sells prints. He's a really good artist too, as well. Yeah, yeah. But it's something something different. I mean, I I know they sell them like in the clothing industry a little more. They'll do like a shirt print of like a a shirt or something, you know. Yeah. But like what you're doing is very clean. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and that ink is different too. Like that ink is. Can you bring them? You could you could show them on the camera if you want. Yeah, I mean those those are um, water based, you know, uh, prints. I mean, I mean, I also do. I don't know how many. It's kind of funny because when I make these and just like, how many spotted bass fishermen are out there that are going to buy a five by seven greeting card? I mean, a lot. You think? Uh, in my eyes, I'm just like. Well, how many spotted bass fishermen do you think there? Are? Really. I mean, there's there's quite a bit, you know. What I mean, I I just don't think it's a a, a huge market, but um, right now it is. Yeah, I think right I now think maybe right now it is. It's huge, yeah, yeah, but um, <clears throat> I have larger prints of these. This is just a, a little belly band. You push it out there. Okay, um, there you go. But you know, this is a little spotted bass five by seven greeting card. You know, um, and then I screen print the the back of the the envelope, little uh, bay bass graphics. Dude, that's um, sick as hell. Yeah. Then I got a bunch of um, you know calico ones, and then I have. I kind of do series kind of like what you're saying. So I'll yeah. do like five by seven card. I'll do a 18 by 24 poster and then I'll do a shirt with it, you know, Perfect. and then it'll be like a whole like, you know, series kind yeah. of um, of them. So, um, the flat print and then that, you know, so you've done spotty calico, you've done large mouth yet. I haven't done large mouth. Um, some, you got to start fishing some more large mouth. I yeah. know. I know. <laughs> I get hit up all the time. You know, I got so many people that are, yeah. you know, um, you're like, oh man, like largemouth is going off of San Diego. Like you got to hit it, you know? And, um, but I'm, I'm kind of like you in the sense, like, <laughs> I, I think this winter I'm going to dedicate some time and do it, same you know, here, same here. you know, once, you know, the water gets colder, you know, inshore and, you know, instead of spending like the whole winter on spotted bass, I'm going to switch to largemouth this winter. But when do you stop your, your, uh, calico, like serious calico, October, October. Yeah. Same yeah. Here. I think mm-hmm. last year I'm looking at my records, some of the last, you know, you can get them all year, but you know, in my style for oh, top it's a water, it's in December and October. Right, I, I'm not as much into like you know, they're down or you know further in the water column. I don't, I'm not bottom fishing for them, you know. So you don't like sand bass? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, when they were there and they were like everywhere, they were super fun, you know. But so yeah, I guess it's different because I'm fishing Long Beach where we're fishing the inner harbor like well you you have it at san diego yeah i, I you know the last few years man i, I just haven't seen that many sand really? bass you know and yeah yeah i mean you know sculpin will come up you know a little bit you know and, and that but i've i have not what about corvina corvina is you know that's my favorite fish i heard you can't talk about it a lot, but I, I know it. I, I i hear it you know i mean I heard, it's, uh, eugene was on kim i know he, yeah i don't want to talk about it i said okay but you do it you'll fish corvina as well yeah i mean early spring and now is my favorite time of year how like, do you are you going to use your bait same stuff to use to catch yeah it? i uh, um i got big big corvina on the glide really? this year yeah. what's your biggest corvina you've got um I got one that was almost like a legal white sea bass size, 28 inches. What's the fight like different from a calico? Like out, what kind of fight? They just fight their ass off? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're like just raw power. They kind of have like a striper fight okay. where it's like two big runs. So okay. like, you know, like you're like, oh, they're done. You get them to this. I, I kayak fish for them. Okay. I get them to the side of the kayak and I'm like, oh, it's done. And then it rips all my line back out <laughs> and, it, and it could do that like twice, maybe three times on a bigger one. Um, but they are really powerful. Are they hard to, to uh, target or you just got to know what to do? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, 
you know, it's one of those fish that, I mean, you know, a lot of people. But don't. it seems like, I guess, uh, it's almost, it's like a spotty, but worse, where people don't want to give their info away. And I'm sure it's, it's a small fishery, right? Yeah, it's a really small fishery. And it's, you know, only a few months, you know, during the year where they come in and with warmer water and stuff. Um, and, and you could target them. Um, but it's one of those things, too, where, like, you know, it, talking about it, it, it's such a hard fish to fish for that. Like when did you start fishing for him? I started fishing for him about five years ago. Okay. Every season, like dedicated quite a bit of time to him. You do know? you fish with anyone? Like no. any guys that do that? No. You did it on your own. Did it on my own. Oh wow. You know, I you know, I I, I got some advice, you know, once again, uh, from Kevin Matson was like you know, I mentioned to him and basically he said you know, like like a few words, like gray light. And that was it. That's all I got. That's you all know? you need. Yeah, I mean, and he was just like, keep driving around the harbor. He was, he was cool. Like, you know, he was just like, early morning and at sunset. Yeah. And I was like, all right. And he's like, yeah. And that was it. And then I, you know, I was like, you know, so like when I get up and I kayak fish, I get up at four thirty. You know, I'm on my spot at first light, and I have maybe a half hour or fifteen minutes, and that's when they feed. I either get one or I don't. You know what I mean? And then once the sun comes up, they're gone. And then I just switched and I fish spotted bass Spider or halibut. Man. You know what I mean? So are you using the same like calico gear for him? He's a little heavier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the problem I have with, you know, cause they easily spook, you know, and I, that's why I fish for him. You know, guys Ooh, from, so you gotta go light on the line then, huh? Light on the line. But the problem I have with my kayak is that I can't throw a big swim bait rod with a long handle. Cause I get jammed in the stomach Yeah, and it hits me in the rib, you know? So I, I have shorter handle rods just for the kayak that are like specific where I could cast and they're more free, okay. um, but they're lighter gear. But you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm fishing, you know, treble hooks, you know what I mean? So I, I let my drag out. Like I, I loosen my drag quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I just play the fish a little bit more. You know what I mean? Like it's, you know, instead of having a heavier rod, I kind of fight the fish a little bit more. Yeah. You know, get it to the side. You know, pop the hooks out and release it. You know, um, so yeah, it seems like a super fun fish to catch. Kind of yeah. like a, like you said, like a white sea bass. Kind of like a yeah, put a more of a fight to it. You know, yeah. And then you know, I've I've talked to the people about it. It's you know, you know, in salt. Even except for big bluefin tuna. I mean, like, what other fish do you have? You could fish poppers for. You know what I mean? Right? It's, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> you know, one of the one of the most explosive, you know ways to fish a fish if you can get them on a popper i mean that's just like you know the best thing in the world yeah. you know what i mean you know um just you know the take and the look and just seeing the white water break and i mean it's just super visual and like that's and you, and you got a fish that's you know like inshore and you know <laughs> right? and you can get them like that um and and you know they're aggressive i mean they take down the glides um i've gotten them on glides the last two years um you know, big poppers, yeah. you know what I mean? And stuff like that, you know what I mean? And so it's, you know, you know, they're, it, it's a great fish. Yeah. You know? No, that's um, a cool one. That's to you, like you guys down there. But we really don't, I don't, I don't think we get them up here. They we don't might. come up this far. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. like, I mean, yeah. Just like Calico, they don't, they don't go past what, like Santa Barbara, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Have you fished up north that way at all? You know, I haven't fished that much, you know, up north. Okay. You know, I've surfed a bunch up there, but, um, you know, Usually I'm on, on a different like trip, you know, when I'm going kind of up there and stuff, but yeah. you know, staying in your home area. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I, you know, for me, I mean, like you, it's like, 
you know, I live on the bay. I could see the water from my house. So you could just jump on your boat, go done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't even. I'm on Surfer Streets to get to the Shelter Island boat ramp. Okay. You know, I mean, I'm wow. I'm two lights away. You know, and then for the bay for my kayak, I walk a few hundred feet. I'm I'm a few houses from it, so I can be out in the bay in my kayak. My Shelter Island, there's a Del Taco. You know where that is? Yeah, yeah. I put my boat through there. I got it through. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> this is after an SBS. Yeah, so yeah, like, oh, yeah. Man, so hungry, dude. Yeah. I'm gonna die. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. But um, let's uh, plug where we can get any of your stuff at. Um, Instagram, you know your uh, web page, anything. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Instagram, it's uh, bows the letter N uh, arrows four three the number forty three, and then uh, on there. You know, I have Linktree, so you can just, you know, right from there, just pull down. And, you know, I have an Etsy site also that's just Bose Arrows uh, Market, MRKT, you know. Um, but, yeah, Instagram is probably the best, you know, in there. From there, I got links to my YouTube page. Um, that's another thing you guys got to check out. He he does a very, in, like, detailed YouTube channel where it's a super, super fucking cool YouTube channel. So check that out. I'll put the link when I put up his episode, too. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the last few years is just because yeah, I fish so much by myself, you know, in, in there and, you know, it's, I don't know, it's just, and I'm learning different baits and, and different things. It's, it's, you know, it's the same thing when I grew up skating. It's like you'd film, watch it, and that's how you develop your style, yeah. you know, and, it, and then if you make a mistake, you're like, like, what was I doing with my arm? Like, that was weird. Like, or like, <laughs> you know, I broke my wrist weird and it, it flew into the kelp or, you know, it, I don't know. It just, it, it helps you analyze and, and just like fine tune stuff. And then, uh, you know, it, you know, all of our stuff is catch and release. So it's, I don't know, to me, it's just, it's really nice to, you know. That's come, your trophy. Is that, yeah. Like that it's, video because you know, of the picture, because you're not going to. I get stoked. I'll come back and I'll be like, oh man, like I caught two nice fish today you know, it was at sunrise and the footage looks rad. And, and, yeah. and then I get excited to like, you know, like this with the podcast, you know, I get excited to edit it and put it together and I'm into music and, and, you know, put some stuff together and I don't know, you know, it's like we're in a culture now where everyone's sharing. So it's, I don't know. It's of cool. course. Yeah. yeah if so you're doing something cool, like I said, I, I noticed it. So I'm like, man, I noticed it for a while. And I think I talked with, I thought like Gilbert recommended you probably like a year ago. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh really? So I started checking you out. I'm like, shit. You're doing the same shit I'm doing, you know, like, and it's even better when you get to share the stoke of Calico where I'm like, I love, and I'm not shitting on green bass. I love catching large mouths on swim baits, which I could do it all the time, but it's just where I'm at in life. It's easier for me to get to the bay or get to the harbor or get to the wall PV yeah. quicker. I got to think about how much fishing I can do more than what kind of fish I want to target. Yeah. You know? yeah. And that's, you know, it's one of the things too, is like, it's my backyard. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like a fishery I love and I have easy access to it and I can spend time in it. You know, um, you know, if I lived in out East County, San Diego and I was a few minutes from a lake or if I lived out West and I was like yeah. in Montana or Wyoming, you know, I'd be fly fishing. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's, so it's, <laughs> you'd be doing the same thing, whatever, whatever was working for you at that time. Yeah. So but I think the cool thing you do is you bring that, um, that swim bait mentality to the, the calico thing. I don't think a lot of people, maybe people have done it, yeah. but you're not, you're, you're putting a little more homework into it by like thinking, doing, you know, like that's the big thing that I thought was really cool. Yeah. Cool crossover. I mean, really, really nice. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, uh, the swim bait thing is just, I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things where it's such a visual 
like way to catch him. Are you throwing anything else or just swim baits? The last few years, 100%, I've just been throwing three baits. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and That's how you're going to get bit, though. You know, like. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of it is just if you bring other stuff and it's your go-to lure and you're, like, comfortable with it, like, if you don't get bit right away, you're going to put that rod <laughs> down and you're going to switch to something else. And, you know, and I, I was like, oh, I know I can catch it on this weedless MC swim bait. I know I can do it. You know what I mean? So, you know, for me, I just left all that conventional gear at home for the last few years and just kind of was like. What's your uh, your daily catches like compared to like if you're throwing like a weedless swim bait? Are you going out only catching five sometimes? Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes yeah. it's like that. Um, but then other days but like. the quality's got to shoot up a lot. The quality shoots up quite yeah, a bit. Okay. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but then, you know, other days, you know, like I'll, you know, I'll have a half hour, you know, flurry where like. 20. <laughs> you know, I'll get into some, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, it definitely, you know, but and to me, it's like. I've gone through all those years, the last 15 years of catching like high quality of, of fish on, on plastics. Mm -hmm. And, and now I'm kind of looking at like, I'm for me, what really, like when I wake up and I get stoked, I'm like, I want to see the fish eat it. Like I want it. Like when I reel the handle and that bait moves and I see something swirl behind it and yeah. it comes out, like even if it doesn't eat it and I just get like a really nice, like look at it or like, you know, a huge blow up on it. Like I'm, I'm stoked on that. You know what I mean? Like just, uh, I know you're able to like witness, you know, this animal like hunt in this natural yeah. environment and, and you're not 30 feet down. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, no, it's I, it's all right there. It's all visual. You know, that's the, the, the funnest way for me to fish is that we this burning as fast as you can and just see them go whack, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's like when they're, when they're hunting up in that canopy and you get a few months and they're, and you have that, that style and you can, you know, and you could see it and it's all visual. Like, I think that's what's really attracted me to it, you know, in there. Yeah. Um, and you know, like to me, everything's about progression. You yeah. know what I mean? When I skated my whole life, like, you know, I would, you know, all right, today I'm going to learn this trick or I'm going to do this or I'm going to change this. And I think with forget, you know, fishing, like, you know, if I was doing the same thing over and over, it'd be stale. You know what I mean? So I think for me, I'm like, all right, I got this new bait. I don't know anything about it. You know, I, I, I get excited about like, I'm going to figure this out, you know, and, and, and see how they react to it, you know, and, and, you know, maybe it doesn't work, but it's, I don't know, that, that progression of, of, of learning something new and, and, and moving forward, I think is, is, is what draws me to it. I have to get you up here and go fish at night, go fish the wall. Yeah. I'd love a to. harbor, maybe one of the nights and it's a yeah. completely different fishery. I think from San Diego when you're doing it at night and there it's, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but thanks for coming up here, dude. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate it, Nick. I appreciate it. Everyone check out his stuff, support. He's doing some cool stuff, man. Thanks again. Thanks, Nick.